Welcome to Go Simcha, the podcast that takes you on an in-depth approach to the Jewish music, entertainment, and Simcha world. Now, here's your host, Zisha Littman. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Go Simple, the podcast. We had so much fun recording the episode, um, but it couldn't have been done without the help of our sponsor, Karen Simchas and Vikalis. We're going to take a minute to hear a little bit more about them. The following episode of Go Simcha the Podcast is proudly sponsored by Karen Simchas Chassan Vikala. Karen Simchas Chassan Vikala was founded over 25 years ago and is based in Brooklyn, New York. KSCVK helps widows, orphans, and people who are in dire need of marrying off a child. Working through their network of vendors, KSCVK ensures that every wedding is just as special as the next. Run by world-renowned party planner Devorah Benjamin, KSCVK takes care that each wedding is as elegant as the next one, ensuring dignity and class through every wedding that they put on. To donate to KSCVK, Please visit their website, kscvk.org, today. That's kscvk.org, and help make someone's wedding special. Welcome back, everybody. I hope your Pesach was well. I know we were missed. Um, I got a lot of emails from people saying, hey, how come there's no show over Pesach? That's okay. We all need a little break. And I'm so happy that we finally get to kick off episode 38 with a very special guest, um, especially right in time for Svira. Um, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with his music um, and his arrangements and his latest album. So I'd love to welcome the infamous Donnie Gross to Go Simple, the podcast, kicking off episode 38 right after Pesach. Donnie, what's going on? Welcome to the show. I'm so happy I got you on right in the nick of time, too. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I'm wonderful, actually. Actually, a bit hot. You know, it's it's close to 90 degrees out here in Beitamish, but, you know, what can we do? Uh, we could use some of that weather over here in New York. I heard. I heard it's cold and dreary and, you know, typical New York weather, but, yeah. So... But no, I mean, well, it's kind of funny, you know, it's kind of, you say it's cold and is it raining out there in New York? Uh, not at the moment, but I see some rain on the forecast. Well, just in time for your, um, your infamous comes in the rain, I suppose. <laughs> go outside yeah, with yeah. the guitar. Sit. Oh no, no guitar really, but you know, um, but anyways, Donnie, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I've, I've heard a lot about you. A lot of you, your name is dropped, um, in, um, around here on, on the podcast by some of our other guests. And so I wanted to get to know you. I mean, I know we've been back and forth. We've talked about a number of different things, but I want to get to know you and who you are and what you're all about. And I'm sure our listeners want to know who, what you are all about as well. So what's your story? Sure. So um, I'm a uh, music producer um, slash arranger. And um, the way I got into music was actually as a composer. Wow. That I uh, had songs. And um, so that's where the whole studio part started also because I had songs. I wanted to record demos. So I bought like uh, some basic recording, uh, you know, some cheap recording equipment to record those demos so I could present to the singers. And uh, at the same time, you know, I started getting more into recording and, uh, you know, those two worlds sort of met. And uh, happens to you now, I don't, I don't compose much, although I do have some songs out there, you know, on, on different singers' albums. But uh, now, you know, most of my time is put into production, um, to producing and arranging and uh, recording. And uh, yeah, that's the, the general story. That's pretty cool. So how, how long ago was this that you got started into the music business? So, I mean, I got into recording in high school. Um, 
you know, that's when I was started composing and that's when I um, started, you know, just recording. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and uh, I was just, you know, recording some demos. It's, I actually listened back recently to some of that stuff and it was, I don't even know, you know, it was hard oh, to wow. even listen. And but, I know uh, what you mean. I, I know what you mean. When you listen to your earlier stuff, you're like, wow, I can't believe I sound like that. It's funny. Yeah, it, it, uh, I do it with some of our shows. I do it with some of our episodes over here. Like I listened to the first episode we ever did and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I sounded like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's definitely, everything is a work in progress and, uh, you know, in order to get to, to places, you got to start somewhere. So exactly. Uh, I have no regrets at all. And, uh, you know, so that, that's how things started. And then, um, you know, as time went on, I started doing, you know, more recordings first for other people, demos, and then uh, smaller productions. And then uh, slowly I started, uh, you know, doing work for other people and then started producing my own stuff. Nice. And you have a lot of notable people underneath, uh, in, under your auspices. I know you have, I know you have Joey Newcomb, um, and some some others. Who else? Who else records by you? Who else have you arranged music for? Right. So there's different. You know, there's different things. There are albums I've produced and arranged. Like for example, yeah, Joey Newcomb and uh, Shlomo Simcha. I produced and arranged the last Shalshalas album. Um, and then there's also people that I you know um, record for, but I don't produce. I don't like. For example, Mordechai Shapiro does a lot of his uh, vocals by me. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't produce him, and um, I, don't, I don't necessarily do his music. Um, but, um, you know, still there are artists that are recorded by me. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of elements into production, right? you know, are confused. What exactly is a producer? What is an arranger? What is an engineer? What is a studio? So there's right. a lot of different factors and, uh, you know, so there are different with different projects. I'm involved on a different, um, from a different angle, mm-hmm. um, have a role in different projects. Um, yeah, but those were some of the names uh, that I that I've actually produced. Uh, but yeah, I've worked with a lot so, of you know. So the production side of thing has always intrigued me, and I know we we had Jan Freider on the show a couple um a, a few episodes back, and he really enlightened us and and really gave us some insight into that world. So what is what you want to explain a little bit about the production side of things? Because we all all of us out here. Um, only know the finished product, but what really goes on when you're creating an album? Like what's the process or creating a song or anything? What's the process behind that? It must be a fun creative process. And then finally getting it done. Like what's the whole, you know? Sure. Definitely. It's definitely a process. And the producer really is the one that is, uh, you know, driving the, the, the car, so to say, he's really taking the, the cries of the album mm-hmm. and he's taking the, you know, he's in charge of, of make sure everything gets, it's not just that everything gets done. It's not just to be on top of everyone, but it's also to take his creative vision, meaning that, you know, obviously, I mean, today we're going to talk about an acapella album, but let's talk about a music album first right. because more, there's definitely more um, layers and more, you know, aspects to that. So an average production, um, the producer has to find the songs that fit the singer. Um, they have to, you know, either sit with composers or get composers to sing them songs, send them songs or get composers to actually write songs for them. Um, so that, you know, that takes a long time, the back and forth of just getting the composition before, before anything. Uh, once they get that composition from the composer, um, the producer then, you know, tries to take, to, to find an arranger who's actually going to record the music or arrange the music, depending, you know, it's electronic or, or if it's acoustic depending on what's going to happen and uh, find the right arranger for the right song, 
for the song and uh, give him his creative input. And usually that process also back and forth. You know, they send drafts and then there's and then there's um, you know tweaking it and getting it to exactly you want it. After that, usually when you have the music. You go record vocals. So you usually have a studio engineer who's engineering the, you know, the session. The producer is usually there also coaching the vocalist. And, and that also can be a very tedious process. There are songs that need to be recorded many times until they're, you know, until they're actually done. I've had songs that, you know, a day before print, we weren't happy with the vocal. We, we, redone, we redid things. Wow. So there's definitely a lot of that tedious and uh, back and forth and uh, a lot of hours and a lot of money goes into the stuff. And which is also important for the listeners to know, because I know, you know, unfortunately, Jewish music is, from a sales perspective, is not is not what it was. Even I've right. seen in the last five years just a decline, and it keeps going down. And there's been obviously more of a shift towards streaming. Right. Um, you know, right. platforms like Spotify and, and Google Play and Apple Music. Um, it happens to be, I know, I, I've been getting a lot of um, emails and texts and people reaching out to me on social media regarding my new album. How come it's not on Spotify and when's <laughs> And unfortunately, just the way it is, I, you know, I know for me, for this album, you know, I, it's very hard for the Jewish artists to, to put out um, right. albums when, when they're not going to be able to make back at least something off it. And um, right. especially an album like this, which, I, I, you know, I'm not a performer, I'm a producer. So right. for me, this album, I, you know, the sales is important, meaning that it can continue to allow me to put out more of these type of albums. Obviously, I'm losing money and I, I can't continue to do it. So, you know, it's just important that the listeners know that you know that it is important to buy Jewish music and to support Jewish music, it's and um, and without it, you know, it's it's going to be very hard for for artists to continue to be putting out uh, material. It's funny because when when I Yoni Z and I had the same conversation. Yoni Yoni is a very big advocate in in in, in this, and I know that after talking with you a couple of times, this is a big pet peeve of yours as well. That um, people are just into streaming it or sending it around. Um, Honey Maleki even said to me, you know, his out al- people have can't, he he heard when he dropped his album, the Great Farby dropped. He said that people were getting it on on WhatsApp and Telegram before he even re- even sent it to the stores, and. You know, it's a chaval because yeah. not every not everybody's making making millions of dollars off their albums here. Um, and it, in, in your world, the production side of things, you see how much it costs and the efforts and the time and things like that. And it's it's a chaval, you know. Yeah, so it's definitely, you know, it's it's yeah, it's something just for the listeners to know that we're not, you know, the artists are not trying to be mean or trying to make you spend extra money. It's not anything to do with that. It's just from a practical perspective. Uh, you know, if there's not money and sales coming off the album, it's very hard for that for the artist to continue. You know, putting out high quality material. Exactly. Now, you mentioned that acapella production is different than um, a full studio production, like music with with instruments and things like that. What what are the key, what are some of the differences behind it? I mean, obviously, the one notable one is no instruments. You don't have to pay, have session musicians or things like that. But like, what are some of the differences? So there's definitely differences, meaning there's, there's, there's obviously certain things that are more simple about acapella, but there's certain things that are more complicated. Um, you know, a regular production album, an album with music, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, you, you, if it's acoustically done, right. you know, you, your rhythm section, you get drum, you get your guitars, the bass, and then, you know, you build, you build off that. You add whatever brass or, you know, obviously that's less common nowadays and everything everyone's transitioning to electronic or a blend no. <laughs> or i'm a musician man i'm a musician i i'm i'm not a fan of the electronic stuff i i i, I play i play saxophone drums keyboard guitar um 
I like it. I like the class. I like the real instrument, something real that you can feel and you can hear. This is, you can, you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was, you know, there's definitely a lot of layers. So once you get the music, then you record the vocals and then you you know, so that, that whole music. So in one way, you know, Akpel's is simpler in the way that you don't have to record the music, but in another way, it's, it's, it's a little more, I don't want to say complicated, but it's just a little more thorough because at the end of the day, you know, when you, when you have a lot of tracks and you're recording music, a lot of times you can have something in the vocal that it could be, I would say, let's say a little imperfection or a little right. noise or something that you're not going to hear. So it's, it's fine. But when you're recording a cappella and you could be stacking a hundred tracks on each other and, you know, there's a little uh, noise here or that breath, is, they breathe at different times and the s's at the end of a word are, you know, it, it could drive you crazy. So there's a lot more tedious regarding the editing. Right. There's a lot more editing that goes into it. Um, also, you have to, at the end of the day, you got to fill in. You know, if it's a little boring, you got to go now add something in. It's not like by music, hey, you, you play your piano and you just put it down a nice piano line. You, you just put in a, some, you know, some form of music there, which could be done in a, you know, in a minute, as opposed to you have to go down and sing 30 tracks and, and it just, you know, it's, it's very time consuming, right. especially, you know, the way, I mean, there's different types of acapella, but what I aim to do, there's no imitation of instruments. There's no, there's no rhythm in there. There's nothing. So it's really, everything right. is sung out and uh, just, you know, it's very, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of tracks, some sessions that have uh, 200 tracks in them. You know, obviously you, at the end of the day, people just hear one thing. They don't know what goes into it. Right. There could be, you know, on one song, 200, even I think I had some of them in the 250 range, um, you know, wow. tracks, really recorded tracks, meaning if we're doing a harmony, we could do it four or six times. Then we're doing six harmonies at the same time. Wow. You know, there could be a lot, a lot going on at once. Although it sounds like, you know, this, it's not necessarily as full as real music and, you know, but it's in a way very tedious and very time consuming. But, uh, you know, I, I, I chose to go this way, even though I know there's a very talented acapella groups out there. Yep. Um, big fans of and there's tremendous talent out there but I, I chose to not go that direction the reason for that is because i want to um you know during these times that, that people listen to severe music is the times of severe and the three weeks are times that we're supposed to be in a certain uh, mindset and uh, i'm trying to you know in a, in a way if i could get people into a certain perspective you know that that you know, and I've accomplished uh, what I want to do with these albums. It's it's really just to put people in the mode. It's taking songs right. um, that right. are you know already you know it's, it's it's interesting because when you nowadays when you're producing you got to pick a song and you got to take that song and, and and wrap it in a nice arrangement and try to get people to connect to it. I'm right. taking songs that are already proven. I mean, these are songs that are people already like and they already know. And I'm just when you take a great song like that and you do it in its simplest form. You don't have to do much because because the song itself talks for itself. You know, when you have a song that's that's able to be sung in shul, and um, right. you know everyone right. sings, and there's no there's no there's no music there. And it's just you hear everyone singing by kedusha, and just sing harmony in shul, and it sounds beautiful already. Then and it hits a certain you know strikes a certain chord, and it hits home. You know, sometimes that can even be more powerful than when you put the biggest string arrangement underneath it. And something about the, the simplicity of things, and just the song itself. You know, nowadays a lot of the songs don't necessarily have enough to carry with themselves. Meaning if you take by the music, this, there could be, you know, whatever, it's a different style. Music evolves, you know, there's, there's different styles of music. And obviously I'm not, you know, I, I do produce that type of music as well. But um, right. at the same time, there's, there's, you know, obviously music has evolved tremendously in the last few years. In the last, obviously if you look back 20, 30 years, sure. And, um, you know, even by taking this album, which are the songs of Baruch Levine and uh, doing them, Baruch Levine, is not, you know, 30 years ago. He's just, I think the oldest song on this album came out in 1995. And oh, wow. most of 
were, were actually on his album. So I think his first album was 2006. So we're talking about in the last, uh, most of these songs in the last 15 years. Obviously some of them, you know, 15, 20, maybe a little more. But um, Baruch, you know, everyone knows Baruch Levine for his, he's able to, uh, you know, the Pirates of his songs. Um, and he, his songs always, to me, were always very powerful, but not, you know, not too old school, but, but very, you know, very, very powerful songs. So, you know, I, I, that's why I chose him. This, so that's know, what I was going to say, like, meaning I, I would listen to the whole album through and through, and I noticed the difference between your acapella albums and some of the other acapella music that's out there is that yours is in its purest form. It's exactly what you said. It's just singing. It's like going to Shul on Shabbos and, and, and singing. It's, just, it's in, or being, it's in its purest form. And I was listening to that, the song Harav Na. I mean, I'm a, that's a Baruch Levine song, big fan of Baruch Levine. I loved having him on the show. And I was listening to Harav Na on the, on, on the new album, on your, on your Kums, It's in the Rain thing, album. And when it goes high, it just like struck a chord in me. And it yeah. hit me right in the heart. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, so and it's, it's real. It's raw. It's pure. It's, it's music as it's supposed to be. And it, there's, it's not like surrounded by different like beatboxing and like different, different, harm, different things like that. It's real. It's raw. And it shows the pure talent of the musicians and the singers behind it. And it's amazing. And yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And and what I, you know, basically, the idea here was not to try to replicate music, but to it's it's basically it's a new, almost sounds like a new genre. Of basically, trying to take that that pureness, and I'm taking songs that cater to that that, that are that you can right. sing, you could sing naturally, and doesn't need. And and again, obviously, there are certain times I want to add more, and maybe I should, but I'm trying to keep it in simple form. It's, it's almost hard in a way to, to hold back. And to keep it simple is just really for this reason that it's just you know just to bring this point out on, on my last album you know this is this volume four volume three we did the songs of A.B. Rottenberg and one of the songs although most of those songs were older we had one newer song which is actually a song that I produced on Svi uh, Silverstein's uh, duet album Kalakochavim where he did duets with uh, twelve different singers and one of the, the duets was with A.B. Rottenberg and A.B. wrote a new song and they sang it together. And I actually took their lead vocals, and we muted, we took away all the music, we added some vocals, and we added all the, the acapella, you know, voices, and added the kids in. And um, I remember, like, when I, I sent it to, um, when I sent it to them, you know, to A, B, and C, I remember them sending back, like, wow, like, this hit them a certain way that it did not hit them on the original album, where we did it with music, with strings, and with everything. It was a certain... It hit a certain, it struck a certain chord by them that was like more powerful, even. So, yeah, sometimes less is more, and also just there's something special about, you know, singing. Obviously, everyone knows there's a special kayak, there's a special, you know, ability to move right. people. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, music obviously, you know, originally was, was you know, music comes from, from the voice. Obviously, we, we play with, with instruments, and there's something very powerful to instruments, but we, we can't lose that simplicity. And obviously, most of the songs that come out today, I would never be able to do this with just wouldn't it wouldn't sound good I meaning it wouldn't it wouldn't move people a lot of the emotional drive in music today is 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 in the music which is a you know a new involvement and um so i'm you know with this series in particular i'm trying to uh you know take songs that that are just pure within themselves they're just good songs you could sing them with two three guys and 
and uh, will sound great. And I'm just trying to, you know, wrap that in a, in a presentation that could really move people. And Baruch Hashem, the feedback has been tremendous. You know, people are, and it's all of that, I, you know, I see online that a lot of people, as every album I put out of the series, because it's a series and it's a, a seasonal item, people are catching on to it, and I see they're buying the older ones as well. So, you know, it's, it's not something really that gets uh, outdated because it's, you know, it's something that's pure. That's, right. you know, I mean, that's my opinion, but obviously, <laughs> obviously that's speculation. But I'm just saying that I, uh, you know, I'm happy that, that people are connecting to it and people are able to be, you know, moved by something that, that's pure and, you know, so as, as music's evolving. So I got. So how did you come up with the name of the album series, Kumsitz in the Rain? What, what What's the story behind that? <laughs> so actually, when we were doing the first album, I mean, the, the questions. I'll, I'll I'll just uh, preface it by the question is definitely better than the answer. Uh, okay. But uh, when we were finishing up the first album, uh, Volume One in, in two thousand and eleven, I believe we started two thousand ten. We started two thousand eleven. Um, we wanted a name for it. We didn't. We didn't know. You know what to do. We were, yeah, there were different names. You know that that, that were going through. We didn't, you know at that point it was very little of this, you know, going on before the Hasidim started putting out these type of albums. Leif Tar <laughs> was the one at the time who, in my opinion, Leif Tar is the best a cappella. Anyone listening here that is not aware of Leif Tar, you can check them out. Leif Tar Volume 1 and 3 are two a cappella albums. Great, great a albums. A lot of my inspiration, a lot of my the technique and stuff, I, I, you know, got from them from listening to their albums. Tremendous. They're a tremendously talented group. And, um, and uh, their acapellas are, are unbelievable. I was actually just listening to it this week. You know, you, when you produce an album and spend so many hours on it, you can't listen to it for the first, like, six months to a year after you put it out. So, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, so I was actually listening to Leif Tar. But, um, so, the, yeah, so we were getting, we, didn't, we really didn't know. There were some, a lot of names coming through, and we wanted to, you know, we wanted to get something that has a... Uh, I don't know. You know, there's a lot. Obviously, the you know, a few different answers I've given. And as a matter of fact, on the first album, we had a competition that uh, the, the name is up to. It's for the listeners' interpretation and send in your your uh, you know why you think we named it this. And people were sending in all sorts of answers: uh, rain, uh, rain, and uh, you know, kumzitz is done to the times of Mashiach and the purity and different types of all types of answers. People, uh, you know. In, in, in our wildest dreams, we never thought of. But obviously, first of all, one re- one reason you can say is that the word rain uh, in Yiddish means pure, and um, you know it's a little play on words. It comes in the rain is uh, you know it comes, but it's, it's it's the purity of the comes. It's and it's the you know just the right. voices, and nothing else. You know, rain also symbolizes a certain uh, relaxedness and then rain and comes. It's and there's no I I wouldn't say it's a concrete answer, but someone gave the name and had a good vibe to it. You know, and I liked it. I thought it, you know, it displayed a little what, what the music stands for. Right. Um, represents it a little, even though, you know, it's not necessarily a definitive answer. But, uh, yeah, listen, I used to get a lot of those questions when we put out the first album. At this point, I think, uh, people are scared to ask it. So it's, it's always I'm good to... I'm not scared. <laughs> Don't worry. But, yeah, Don't worry. We, we ask the tough questions over here. Um, that's pretty funny. So it's kind of like pick pick the name. What would you give the winner? The free album? Album of number two. There you go. Even That's though at that point we weren't sure if there was going to be a number two, but uh, you know, Berkshire people took the albums, and, and now you're up to four. Yeah, up to four because there was you know there was a four year break between one and two. 
but um, from two was it 2015, three was in 2017. So there's two years between two and three, and two years between three and four. And we'll see, depending on how uh, you know the responses. Maybe we'll see. There'll be one next year, or we'll wait again two years. Or so. So when you when you when you pick the 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 different tracks for the albums, it seems like you like you mentioned on one of them you had all A. B. Rottenberg tracks, and this one was all Baruch Levine. So what what's your reasoning behind picking the that type those those guys? To, very to... That's a very good question. I mean, it's a two part question. First, firstly, the first two albums, yeah, were not a specific composer. They were assorted songs, songs that I liked, songs that, you know, I think were popular and shuls and songs, some that weren't popular to try to, you know, bring them back. From volume three, we have the songs of Amy Romberg and volume four, we have the, song, we have the songs of Baruch Levine. Um, so, I, you know, when volume three came along, um, I said, you know, let's, let's take a little turn. I mean, from three also, there was a little turn, the fact that it became junior. I mean, the last two albums are junior, I mean, they're kids-based. Um, primarily kids, and even though there's adult vocals as well, um, all all of the you know songs have kids representation, whether it's in the background vocals or something. And uh, matter of fact, it's funny. I was actually talking to Rivi Schwebel. He sings on a few songs on this album. He was telling me that this he can't explain why he can't put his finger on. There's something about the kids when you put kids in with adults and you you have that together. It just hit, he's saying to him personally, it just hits home so strong and it moves him like he, he he hasn't been moved by you know by other songs even with music like we were talking I, about before i think it has something to do with the harmonies with the with the with the different ranges of the pitch and then when right. they come together it kind of builds this like synergy of music and harmony that really like hits you where you want to hit you i mean that's kind of how i felt with when listening to some of the songs is that like you have that that dynamic of pitch from the from the from the kids and the the adults on the album, and but then when they meet in the middle, when they kind of meet in the middle and their pitch kind of meets in the middle, it really it really does something. It really transforms that song, transforms the music. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. So you know, Baruch Hashem, people really been connecting, and and it happens to be volume three. Um, you know, did very well. Um, I mean, very well, whatever very well is 2019. I can talk about from feedback perspective, um, you know, it did, volume three was very, and I realized from there that there's something people really connect to the kids. Obviously, there's some people that rather enjoy adults, and we try to blend the two, but, you know, it's hard to make everyone happy. But um, at the same time, you know, so when, when, when volume three came, I wanted to, you know, do more theme-based. The reason for this is that, you know, a lot of compo- there are composers out there. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, composers are very underappreciated and not underappreciated, but they're, they're, they're in a way not, you know, they're not known. You know, everyone knows the singer, everyone knows Yaakov Shvaki, Mordechai Shapiro. No one knows what's behind these, you know, these, uh, these singers. Behind the scenes. No one knows what goes on behind the scenes. And, and at the end of the day, you know, everyone always says in the music industry, you, you can have the best singer, the best arrangement, the best musicians. If this composition is not there, you're not going to move people. It's not going to. It's not going to have an emotional impact. You know, the song Correct. at the end of the day is obviously you can have a great song and if it's not arranged well, it's not sung well, it's not done well, it won't either move people. But you can have the greatest of the great in every area. But if it's lacking in composition, you will not have an emotional impact on people. So, or the emotional impact that that you you, you should have. So, um, I wanted to you know sort of. You know, give you know to, to get a composer to show his material to show to showcase it in a way. First of all, to, to have a theme base, but also to showcase what this composer has done for us, what this composer has given us. You know, the compositions and um, obviously on you know on this album there are Baruch Levine is a singer, uh, but Baruch Levine before he became a singer was also a composer. 
Um, and there are songs he has out there that a lot of people do not know are his songs. And, you know, just to name a few on this album, uh, Birch Sabayas, um, everyone thinks is a, most people think is A.B. Romberg's song because it was originally on Aish Volume 2, which is A.B. Just a shadow. We're actually working on Aish Volume 3, uh, which we hope uh, to be out in the next few months. But, um, so a lot of people, um, you know, think that, that Birch Sabayas is A.B. song, a song like Chasayf, which Yaakov Shwaki sang on his first album, uh, people don't know. People don't know who, who song that is. Uh, Shabbos Hayyem Hashem from Shlomi Gertner. These are all bar of songs. And, you know, a composer, really, at the end of the day, you know, his name doesn't go on the CD cover. And obviously there's people that are very involved and are very into the music stats and, 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 and everything. And they get every jacket and they look through it. And those guys will know the composers. But the the, the, the average listener, you know, does not know. And um, I just think, you know, it's important in a way that, that people should realize what these composers have given us, someone like Baruch, what he's what he's given us, and Berch Zabayis is song every night at Chuppas. These songs, Chasayf, is Hanukkah. You come around, it's played everywhere, every event, every everyone, everyone, every Jew in the world, you know, knows the song. So there's there's, there's tremendous songs there for Zakeni, and obviously the ones that people do know about for Zakeni and uh, and uh, Bahu Keli, obviously the, you know there's the, the, the very popular ones, but. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to, to have a theme based, and at the same time, that, you know, people should recognize what, what these composers have have given us. We shouldn't take it for granted. No, for sure, that's that that's so true. And you're right in that fact that people don't really know who's what's going on behind the scenes. And it, it, when you find out, like, oh man, this guy wrote that song, I th- it really like gives you a new perspective on the music. And yeah, exactly. It, like, the a lot of the people don't know more about the producers and more about the composers and more about the, you know, that side of things. And it, it, that's the talent. You're right. When you said it yourself that you can have the best of the best and everything, but if the, if the arrangement is, is off, it's not going to do what you want to do. The goal is to hit that emotional, hit that emotional point and, and really drive it home for people. And yeah, I've heard, I've heard tons of songs that just don't do it for me. And then, like I said, I was listening to some of your songs, and a lot of Baruch stuff, a lot of Baruch Levine stuff, it really hits home. It really, it really gets you where you want it to get you. Um, and I, I hear you. I agree with you on that, hundred yeah. percent. So, the, yeah. Even the, the other element that there's a song here called Shifchi Kamayim Libe. Um, I was actually in camp with Baruch uh, years ago. He was a division, and I was a counselor on, under him. And we actually have a close connection from from then. And um, I recall that um, you know in two thousand, I think it was two thousand five. It was even before he put out uh, his own albums. Yeah. Uh, so he, I mean, obviously in that year in camp it was before he put out his album. He taught the camp is Akeni. He said, "As I'm putting out an album, it's going to be on there. Oh, nice, nice song." No one knew at that point that it would become like you know the hit. Uh, yeah. My kids uh, sing that song, man. That's unbelievable, but uh, that song was, uh, you know, it's. I, th- I think it has a story with himself. I, I think I believe that's that song. I think Baruch had he has his first two children were girls, and his third was a boy. And um, I think right when the baby was born, I think he composed that song. Like, like you know, right after that, he took out a thing. He had the inspiration then, and, and he wrote that song. But uh, you know, this is going back uh, a while back. But he, um, yeah. So the song Shachikamayim Libech, we. Um, he actually sang it in Katara. He taught, and I thought then I didn't realize it was Baruch's song. I thought it was like oh, one of these old songs from, you know, the seventies. 
60s. Right. And like, right. People didn't even know where it's from. I just thought it was, it was that type of song. It just, it's simple and it just hits the spot. And uh, then, like, years later, only, I think, on his fifth album or, you know, recently, not, a few albums ago, maybe his fourth album, his fifth album, all of a sudden this, I see, like, track nine or track eight, all at the end of the album, so I'm shifting, I'm listening to them, like, Barak, what's that, this is your song? She's like, yeah, it's my song, whatever, we never put it out, but, you know, we put on this album. And I was like, wow, this song, and, and I, I felt the song never took off like it should have. And a lot of the feedback I'm getting is, you know, is from that song. People are really like, wow, this song's really, you know, they don't even know where it's from. That's also funny. Like it, did, it didn't take off like the way it should have, but, uh, you know, listen, who knows? And uh, maybe it'll, you know, it'll do something now. And then same time, people are, are really being moved by that song. It's right. a simple song. It might be the simplest song on the album. It's simple. The whole song is it's, it's three chords. And it's just very simple, but it, it just hits the spot. Right. So, uh, I'm very happy that song uh, made it on the album. So I wanted to ask you, when did acapella start to become a thing in the Jewish world? Like, I know, like, you know, you have all these acapella groups. You have, like, the Maccabees, the Y Studs, the, you know, like, Leif Tahar, Bittachon, all these, like, acapella groups. But, like, when did acapella become, like, such a thing in the Jewish world? I know, I mean, it obviously gets popular around Sphira in the three weeks when we can't really listen to music. But, like... I'm still, it's still, it's still an anomaly to me, like when it became like such a thing. Yes, it's a good question. I mean, as far as I don't, I don't know what was going on, you know, in the '80s and the, in the early '90s. What was happening before? I mean, I think Leif Tower was the first uh, acapella group. Um, following that, obviously, there have been a lot of uh, acapella albums, and yeah, definitely now acapella has become a, you know, the more recent, the Maccabees and AK Pella and Six Thirteen which is more like, you know, a group and they, 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 they perform live and they got the beatboxing. So that's more, that's a more recent, uh, you know, volume. I don't know how far back, you know, I don't, I don't know what they listened to in 1970 during Sphere. It's a very good question. I don't know, <laughs> you know, like a, you know, a capella music, or maybe they, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a good question. I do some research on that. Nice. And, and what would you say is your, your, is, what's, what's your favorite thing that you've ever produced? Who's your favorite artist you ever produced or favorite song that you've ever recorded and produced? It's uh, a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told you, we asked the tough questions over here. We don't hold back. I can tell you what I, what I, what I, what, what to me is, is really, um, was always cool is that, you know, when you grow up on certain people's music, um, like I remember being, uh, you know, a little boy in camp when Shalshalas One came out, they used S.A. Night the first year and Ekra and those songs. And when I actually got to record with Shalshalas and produce an album for them, to me, that was like, wow, you know, you, you grew up with them. So obviously there's something very cool about um, recording and working with the, the artists that you grew up with. You know, I, I was able to do a, a song together with MBD with when he did that duet with Sweet Silverstein and, and we did a song with Adam Fried and A.B. And, you know, th- th- that's like, to me, it was, wow. You know, I grew up listening to these guys and I was, you know, listen every album, every song they put out. And, and to be able to work with them is something really, you know, it's amazing. And, um, you know, so definitely every every artist brings something to the table. There are a lot of them that are a lot of fun. Obviously, someone like Joey Newcomb comes with this, you know, that whole personality and someone, you know. Joey's like, great. <laughs> Someone like Lord Fisher Piero has tremendous energy, and someone, you know, says everyone brings their thing. I, I, I did an album with Yossi Green. Um, obviously, that that's like wow, you know, doing an album with Yossi Green and to sit with him, and he, he has so much knowledge and so much history, and he's so much of a part of, of, of Jewish music, and you know, to be able to do an album together with him and, and hear what he has to offer and just to, to work with him was tremendous. Right. Do you actually sing yourself or play any instruments? I would assume you play something as you're a composer. 
yeah, I play uh, piano. Um, I play a little guitar, um, but the, primarily piano. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really sing. I sing a little. I do some background vocals on this album, but I, you know, really, uh, song choirs and stuff. But not not much of a soloist. Nice. Now, what would you say? What would in in your in your industry, being in the back end of things, where would you say the future of Jewish music is headed? Ooh, that is the that is the million dollar question. That's a very good question. I, I really don't know. It's so hard to tell. You know, just in the last three four years, the turns that Jewish music has been taking is so drastic that it's really hard to even predict what's going to be in six months from now. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's very like I listen back to the things I did two years ago and I say, wow, it was like old fashioned. I right. used to listen back to things 10 years ago and say, oh, we advanced here and we advanced there. And, and, and that was as recording the whole, you know, transition from analog to digital recording where, where right. you know, but like now you're listening like two years back and say, wow, like that, that is like, you know, that is like old. That's like outdated. I would never like arrange a song like that. That's like 1972. And we're talking about 2015. So 2017. It's very hard to tell where Jewish music is heading. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, it's hard to tell. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see as it evolves and as things, you know, turn where we head. Makes sense. Now, as a producer, what's your take on how people are taking, like, Goyesha songs and turning them into Jewish music? I, I, I mean, we can't hide the fact that a lot of, a lot of songs – nowadays have been taken from their non non-jewish counterparts um well, what's your take on all that talking about composition or are you talking about arrangements um a little bit of both and a little bit of both um it's a good question again you're asking very good questions today <laughs> what can i say um so regarding arrangements I mean, I, listen. Regarding songs, everyone has what to say about this. It's it's it's, it's a good, it's a very it's a good it's a good question. It's a good conversation. I think ultimately, you know, I don't know. It depends. You know, it really depends. You know, there's some there's some secular song. There's some big composers that will tell you they got inspiration from from country music in the '70s of what was going on then. And uh, obviously, you know, secular music has evolved as well. So, uh, you know, secular music today is is almost. You know, that's not, not barely listenable and barely, you know, you know. I mean, barely listenable. I mean, it's, it's not. It's not really suitable. It's not. It's not appropriate. That, that, that's what I mean. So it's not music, so right? Yeah, but besides, I'm not talking from a music class. I'm just saying, obviously, the content. You know, as the world evolves, the content evolves. Um, right. So it's definitely, you know, it's hard to know. So from the composition perspective. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I can't say I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I, I don't know necessarily that that's what people are doing. It could be, you know, they'll, they'll take a, a few notes and they'll say, oh, that was nice. Let's try to incorporate that into a song. I, I don't believe they're, you know, straight up, you know, ripping off secular songs. Um, but you know, regarding arrangements and, and, and vibes and stuff like that, that, that could be a little more common. Um, listen, at the end of the day, um, you know, there is, uh, I mean, you know, Chazal speak out, you know, Chachma B'gayim Tam, and there's definitely a lot, a lot of Chachma out there. And um, I do think that, that, that what people will do, you know, I do have times that someone will come and say, uh, you know, here's a song, um, you know, just see the, just the way that they're playing this, this drums over here, or this, you know, this, this type of feeling, can we try to incorporate that into this song? So, I don't know, listen, obviously, you know, Jewish music has to be, the big question is, what's Jewish music? Is it Jewish because it's Jewish words, or, there you go. You know, obviously, it's, it's 
it's hard to know. And obviously, you know, this is about the, you know, this interview is about the Kumbhs in the Rain, and that's the total other side where I'm trying to just stay pure and not, right. you know, influence on anything. And there is something, you know, to that. People actually connect that. And I know people, I can tell you, that do not listen to any Jewish music and like a Kumbhs in the Rain. So it's trying to explain that. I mean, that obviously shows us something there that's very real that's connecting them. Because that, I, that, that Kedusha, the spark of Kedusha is in, in that music and you're, and you're bringing it up in its purest form. And it really, like I said, it, it hits a chord. It hits somebody there, man. And it's just like really hits you. I have people that tell me, wow, I heard the sample. I bought the album. I have not bought a Jewish album in years. Like I don't listen to any Jewish music. I listen to only secular music. And, to me, that was like, wow. Like, you know, people, you know, you look at this album, you say, wow, it's a yeshivish album, so to say. that like, it's no, you know, it's just locals. But obviously, this, you know, there's something new that can that, that hit this person that, you know, I was, I was blown away. That, that could be the best uh, form of feedback that, that I could possibly get on such an album. See, that's why I love doing this. That's why I love like talking with you guys because everyone's got a story about their music and there's always something that, that this, this kind of music, Jewish music always inspires people. I hear, I've gotten some crazy stories from some of our past guests, how they're out, their songs have really given people his, like Joey was telling me even like some of his, some guy got in touch with him, like Arab Yom Kippur or some, and told him how he, li- he listened, you know, the story. And he's listened to the album and it just like really struck a deep chord with him and helped him really get through Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And like, I hear this stuff all the time. It's just, it's incredible. So you yeah. see the real power of the music and what it has to offer and what it can do to somebody. And you never know what your album or what your song is going to, or what, what, what's going to do for somebody and how it's going to, how it's going to impact them. And it, it's, it may not, it may not, compensate you monetarily in this world but you know in the next world you you, you never know what you're gonna you're what you never know what's gonna be from it yeah hope so <laughs> <laughs> not for sure man uh, but no it's really it's it's amazing and like i said you know you're you're changing the i guess you could say you're changing the game when it comes to acapella because you're keeping it real um with these comes it's in the rain albums and please God, you should make a fifth one because I'll be very excited to hear it. Um, and I tell you, I was listening to your album like for the past three days, not just because there's nothing else to listen to, but because it's, it's good. And it, it like puts you in a good mindset and it helps you really um, connect and puts your neshama in the right place. So I, I thank you for that. My friend for bringing this amazing, this amazing album to the world. Um, so what else is in the future for Donny Gross and, and your production company and everything that, you know, you do and more? Yeah. So, um, the, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm working on now an album with, uh, it's a big album for me. I'm very excited to be working on it with A.B. Romberg and Shalom Simcoe. We're doing H volume three, which some of the classics of, uh, Jewish music has come through H. Um, a lot of people, again, don't know what, what Aish has brought to the, to the table, but just to name a few songs from Abe Ramberg, Habait, Yid Nefesh, Elon, Miadir, which is a song still, uh, you know, it's actually funny, a funny story. I mean, you know, there's a little topic, but I was at a, I was at a chuppah and, right. um, and, and I was standing next to someone and they played back to back three songs in a row. They played Miadir, they played, um, yeah. They played Birchus Abayas from H2. And then the kids walked down to Elon. Three songs in a row were H songs. 
And someone turns to me and is like, I don't get it. They've been playing the same songs for 25 years every night. They, they can't get new songs. <laughs> so, uh, again, that just, you know, talking on this, uh, on this uh, point, I think just brings out the same thing. There's a reason why, you know, these songs are being sung at Chokos, because there's something very real to them. And, you know, with the series, that's what I'm trying to do. Obviously, people nowadays want to hear a different style of music. And, yeah, there's some that don't yeah. rather hear the old, the old stuff. You know, so they, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, music has evolved. Right. But uh, right. yeah, the album that we're doing with them is we're trying to keep it very old school. We're trying to keep it, you know, obviously we have a, the technology in 2019 that's able to give it a very high quality, but we're trying to keep it very acoustic. There's, there's, I don't think any electric on the whole album. Um, it's a very real album, and it's you know, AV's compositions, new compositions. AV hasn't put out a new album, I think, since Journeys Four, uh, which is in 2004, maybe. Uh, so it's been a it's been a long time, and uh, we're happy. Uh, you know, we're happy to be putting such an album out, and uh, we're trying to wrap that up in the next uh, few months. And of course, there's a lot of other little projects. Um, yes, yes. That's the exciting one. That's great! Wow, well, Donnie, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Um, I'm so happy I got to learn a little bit more, and I'm sure our listeners are are going to be very happy that they get to learn a little bit more about the production side of things. And you know, it's like one of those like where music comes from. Um, you know, those kind of videos that you see, like where how it's made. Um, it's cool. It's exciting, and we get to we get to see a whole new a whole new side of things. And talk. We talked about acapella. We talked about all these different things that you're working on. It was amazing. I'm so happy you came on the show. It's a perfect way to start off right after Pesach. Everybody's back, get back in the swing of things. Um, and I really, I, I wish you much atzlacha and continue doing good things and bringing great music to the world and working with amazing artists. And um, you keep me posted when it when the next album comes out and more stuff comes out. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast and thank you to the listeners for listening. You've just listened to another wonderful episode of Go Simple the Podcast. For more news, updates, and information on our next episode, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at Go Simple Live, and don't forget to check out the show notes and videos on www.gosimcha.com along with zeradio.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, Go Simcha! <laughs>